Hey guys, and welcome to season one, episode one of True Crime Pillow Talk with me, Kristen. Today we will be talking about Susan Smith in South Carolina. This case dates back to 1994, and it's the murder of her two sons, three-year-old Michael and 14-month Alex. Smith was born September 26, 1971. She was born in Union, South Carolina. Uh, Smith's father committed suicide when she was six, and she was living with her mother. At the age of 13, she attempted to to kill herself as well, Um, and her mother then married Beverly Russell when she was 15, who was actually molesting her from the age of 15 up until three months before the murder of her sons. Susan graduated high school in 1989, and Smith attempted to take her own life again for a second time due to her affair with a married man failing. After that affair was over, she decided to marry David Smith, who she had her two sons, Michael and Alex, with, The marriage was not so great with David. Um, They separated several times, and they both had allegations of infidelity. On October 25th, 1994, Susan left Consco, her job as a receptionist, at 3 p.m. that day due to her breakup with Tom Finley, who was the owner's son. Uh, She was recently separated from her husband, David, at the time of the affair, but they were still seeing each other. After she quit her job at 3 p.m., she left to go pick up her three-year-old son, Michael, and 14-month-old Alex, stopping at a tavern on her way home to talk with her friends in the parking lot. The conversation was in regard to the breakup with Tom Finley And her friend was just coping with her and helping her understand or give her tips on what she can do to get her relationship back. After the conversation, she headed back to Consco with her children to try and mend the relationship with Tom, which didn't work. Around 6 p.m., she arrived at her house on the northern edge of town, made pizza for the boys, and called her friend at the tavern to ask her if Tom was there and speaking about her. He was, in fact, at the tavern, but he wasn't talking to her. She hung up the phone and decided to put the kids in the car and head to Walmart. Then they got back in the car after their trip to Walmart and stated they were heading to a friend's house, but never made it. She stated she never made it because she was held up at a red light behind Monarch Mill textile plant by an African-American man that pointed a gun to her head and told her to drive. They reached the access road where he then told her to stop and get out with the gun shoved in her side. She said the guy pushed her out of the car and took the car and her kids and drove off. She stated she ran to the nearest house where police were called and the police got the sheriff and FBI involved. David Smith, the boy's father, rushed to Sarah's side for comfort. David stated he called his father that night to let him know what was going on, and his father didn't believe it, but David stated that he believed her all along. 
Police learned five days before the disappearance that Smith's friend stated that Smith said, I wonder what life would be like if I didn't have kids. A nationwide search was held for her car, questioning both Susan and David. The description for the composite drawing was so generic and lots of concerns came up. When children and when children are involved, they know that they had to use the drawing, but it was hard because the drawing literally was so generic that it looked like multiple people, people that you would see on the street um, and stuff like that. So they actually had to take the drawing off the news um, and they started noticing lies and differences in Susan's stories. Um, so taking the drawing off of the news um, because of that and due to the fact that it was so generic. During this time, um, the boys were still considered missing um, and people started printing out thousands of flyers, hanging them up, passing out photos of them, tying yellow ribbon around mailboxes and scouting wooded areas on horseback and even walking. Um, the second day of the search, she Susan took a lie detector test and failed and became very belligerent and angry towards the detectives. On the third day of the search, they believed they were there was a breakthrough. Um, someone believed they saw her car in North Carolina, but it actually wasn't her car. They had daily interviews with her and made detectives notice the inconsistencies in her story. Even the cashiers at the Walmart stated to the de detectives that they don't remember them being there the night of the 25th. And the friend stating that who, she, who Susan stated she was going to see actually wasn't home or in town that night either. Susan stated that she loved them and... Um, she started using a lot of things in regard to her boys, uh, like statements and stuff like that, were all past tense. I loved them. I really did. Um, I'll miss them. Just things that you wouldn't say if one, your kids or whomever it was, wasn't dead. Or if it wasn't someone that you killed yourself, you really wouldn't be using past tense. If you're out searching for someone, um, you would, most people, especially mothers, would hold on to hope that they're still alive and they're still out there. Um, so detectives started noticing and news reporters started noticing that she was using phrases um, that were in the past tense. Um, people were asking if the detectives believed that Susan was in fact the killer um, due to the fact that she had all of these inconsistencies in her stories, her interviews. None of them seemed to really go along with each other and there was a lot of like I stated, inconsistencies and past tense that she used in multiple interviews and um, news reports and stuff like that. On November 3rd, she broke the silence and put all the pieces of the puzzle together. She begged Sheriff Wells for his gun and fell to the floor sobbing, telling him that neither of her sons were kidnapped in fact, they were in her car at the bottom of John D. Long Lake. The car was found 122 feet from shore, 
upside down under 18 feet of water. The diver's flashlight showed a little kid's hand pressed against the window, and when the car was pulled from the water, the bodies of Alex and Michael were visible in the back seat, still strapped in their car seats. They allowed her to write out her written confessions due to how she acted after the polygraph that she failed. They wanted to make sure she would write a statement so they didn't ask questions and they didn't pressure her. They just had her write out her words of what exactly happened. She stated she didn't want her kids to live without a mother and she was planning to kill herself as well. And she wanted her kids to be with her. That's when she was driving around town. Uh, She never went to Walmart and she was never held up at gunpoint and she was never heading to a friend's house. Um, She decided to get in her car after eating pizza with her sons and calling her friend at the tavern. They got in the car. They were driving around for a little bit. She went to John D. Long Lake where she parked her car on the boat ramp and she put her car in neutral as it rolled down the boat ramp and before reaching the water she hit the brakes put it in park got out and she well she put her parking brake on and she got out and pushed her parking brake down shut the door and watched it slowly go into the water with her sons in the back um She was then arrested on two counts of murder. Um, South Carolina actually wanted to charge her with the death penalty, but the defense attorney stated, quote-unquote, execution made no sense. Since Susan wanted to die, the worst punishment she would have to face would be living with what she had done. On Sunday, November 6, 1994, Michael and Alex were buried in the same casket due to how small their bodies were. The yellow ribbons were taken down and then replaced with blue and white ribbons in remembrance of the boys. On December 12th, Susan was indicted on two charges of murder. January 16th, Union County Solicitor Tommy Pope announced his decision on the death penalty Her parents even went so far as taking out a second mortgage on their house to afford a second attorney that specialized in death penalty cases. And on July 17, 1995, the trial began. She was suicidal, and although she was determined competent to stand trial, there was a chance that due to her being suicidal, she would not speak and risk her trial. Prosecutors depend determined based on a letter written by Tom Finley ending their short relationship that she killed her boys to get Tom back. He stated in their letter that, quote, there are some things about you that are not suited for me. And yes, I'm speaking about your children. I am sure your kids are good, but it really doesn't matter. I just don't want quid kids, end quote. Her attorney made an argument that Susan was a cold, evil killer but a loving, immature, and troubled mother with a botched attempt to suicide, commit suicide. Her father committed suicide when she was six years old, and she was hospitalized in high school for being suicidal as well. The defense brought all of that up, 
including the drug history of her family and how she was sexually abused by her stepfather, Beverly Russell, from 15 years old to three months before the drowning of the boys. The defense proved that Susan was suicidal but not mentally ill due to her past, and after a week of testimony, the jury came back after two hours and proved her to be guilty. On July 24, 1995, the penalty began where they showed a five they showed a clip of the car sinking the same exact car sinking um and in that same lake john b long lake um detectives stated that it took five minutes and 52 seconds for the car to fully sink like that hers was with the boys in it so they were stating that in those five minutes and 52 seconds she could have easily swam out there and grabbed her boys, or she could have just not done it at all and um, let the car roll and get her boys out before it started rolling. You know, like when she jumped out of the car, before she pushed the parking brake down, before she shut her own door. So there was just a lot of things that the defense was bringing up in that time. Um, and seeing that clip... And noting that it took 5 minutes and 52 seconds for the car to sink, I feel like it should have been a light bulb in her head to say, hey, that you know, they don't deserve this. Um, and honestly, they didn't. I mean, she was. Just, it seemed like she was just trying to get out of being a mother because Tom Finley, her flavor of the week, I guess you can call it, didn't want to be with her any longer. On July 28, 1995, after two hours of deliberation, anonymously jurors agreed to life in prison, where she and she is currently serving that sentence at Leith Correctional Institute near Greenwood, South Carolina. She is eligible for parole after serving 30 years, and according to South Carolina Department of Corrections, she is eligible for parole on November 4, 2024. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope that you like this story. I will be back every Monday to post a new podcast episode with new content of rare finds that I come across in the true crime community. Thank you again for listening, and have a great day.